Green Teacher's main office is located on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and Mississauga peoples. This territory is covered by the Williams Treaty. Like if you're singing something like a song about summer or you're singing a song about like whatever it is, you have to become that story. And so someone who's performing music is also using drama. It ended up being hilariously fun where by the time it got huge, we all ran out of the tents. And normally I wouldn't want us to all go into the snow that's now going right into our eyes. <laughs> but it was, it was so fun. I would add the sound of the chickadee call and the chickadee song because that's different. And yeah, there you go. That's the song, <laughs> just for anyone listening. Yeah, I've been sure hearing it recently. Oh, yeah. And I actually have students regularly ask me, like, when are we going outside again? And I'm like, when oh, it's not minus 40. <laughs> <laughs> when it's not minus 40. Fair enough. Yeah, everyone has so... a limit. Testing, testing. Hey, I'm Ian. And I'm Sophia. And welcome to Talking with Green Teachers. This is the Environmental Education Podcast, where we discuss recent developments, big ideas, and creative approaches to teaching green. In this episode, and creating together and, and using their, their environment around them to create their little scenarios and using wood and rocks and stuff like that to create little scenarios. So I just know like kids love doing stuff like that. So if I were to give them like, here's the idea, go. Every yeah. couple of classes, they loved going and creating things and then presenting. I mean, kids love also coming back to their parents and go and saying, look at the play we made up. And you're like, okay, cool. And so now you get to watch a little play that they've made up all day. It's January 2021 in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. It's early morning and it's cold. The thermometer reads minus 22, though it feels like minus 28 with the wind chill. Oh yes, the wind chill, always a factor here in the prairies. No one has arrived at school yet, but Jennifer Embrecht is on site preparing for her outdoor music class. An arts teacher with a music specialization, Jennifer Embrecht teaches grades 2 to 5 at the Louis Riel School Division. During the 2020-2021 school year, she took her students outside for all but 11 days. Jennifer joined Ian to discuss the opportunities inherent in outdoor learning, the emergent curriculum, the ORF approach, and how drama and movement can support learners' understanding of complex musical elements. Well, before we get into our core question about teaching music outside in all seasons, just mm -hmm. give us a brief snapshot for those who are not from Winnipeg, Manitoba. What is the weather like throughout the seasons? Winnipeg is a fascinating place in, <laughs> in terms of weather because yes. currently um, there's so much snow that it when you throw it, it has nowhere to go and just goes back down. There's so much snow here. The snow piles around people's houses are taller than them. Whereas last year there wasn't any snow. So there's, I'm not understanding that. I'm assuming that's due to the 
grave differences between different things that are happening in the climate. But generally, it, it can be very cold in the winter. Um, it's been noted sometimes that it is colder here than Mars. That doesn't necessarily happen every day, but it can be that cold where, where it's um, with, with a wind chill factor of minus 50. And Ooh. recently it's been with the wind chill factor of minus 40 or minus 45. So it's very cold. And then it shoots the opposite way where in the summer it goes up to plus 40 Celsius sometimes and more so um, in the last few years, I feel. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's all over the place um, in terms of what could possibly happen. So we, we get to experience all of these things where I, you know, we would be inside um, last year, or we would be trying to hide under the shade of trees and do things that involved little as little movement as possible because it was so hot. So got to be ready for everything. Absolutely. So getting to our core question, mm -hmm. you actively use the dynamic outdoor context in your teaching rather than just replicating the so-called four walls experience. So how does the quote unquote outdoor classroom inform the learning experiences that you facilitate? I felt myself very lucky early on last year to have watched, I think it was Learning for a Sustainable Future. They had a webinar where they were talking about using the built environment and using the environment outside um, that you that you have, which at first I thought was just a field, but I didn't really have access to my instruments, et cetera, because they were all, they used my room last year for a classroom to have everyone distanced. Um, so my things had all been moved into a space that they weren't really easy to access. So it was a lot of what are we going to do out here? So um, at first it started with just let's do things we know and let's do things that are easy to do, like folk dances from around the world. We have something in our division called Folk Dance in the Park, our school division, where we do many dances. So that was a fun thing to start with. But then I started incorporating in the ideas from that webinar of what is around us and and that had already started because you'd be outside and geese would fly over and mm -hmm. we're going to take that moment to do something with it and so sometimes it would be just as simple as listening to the geese and noting them and, and talking about it because it's this perfect moment where i can i can incorporate that into our day and just saying like you know, we're just going to observe them and, and stuff like that. But sometimes it, it actually moved into me get, getting them all to get into V formation and taking music from bare naked ladies. Oh, here come the geese. Yeah. And we all would fly across the field, not near the geese, but just, you know, like <laughs> just flying across the field our, ourselves to have that feeling. And that song is so musically perfect because it starts, it builds and builds and builds and builds just like when geese are coming from a distance and they get louder and louder. And then as they pass by, it gets quieter and quieter. And the song does that itself. So it's this really neat feeling of, of that experience as well as them full on experiencing it by running across the field or just noticing, hey, wait, like there, I had another teacher who was teaching outside as well. And sometimes when she would be the lead teacher and I was observing class with her and helping supervise, because um, we would have like 50 kids outside at the same time um, sometimes is I would just think, wait a minute, look at this little one over here who's playing with their shadow and thinking that looks so fun. Like they're just really enjoying seeing what their hands are doing on the ground in front of them. And then I built that into creating their own shadow plays on the ground in front of them and the idea of shadow art or using it to watch themselves with a, a musical phrase 
um, using their hands to um, go across in, in front of them slowly for a piece like um, Gymnopédie by Satie, where they could just use their arm to show the length of the phrase and they could watch themselves doing it um, and creating interesting poses for each phrase, etc. So just using what you have outside, like if an eagle flew over, we would pause and talk about how we'd study the seven teachings and which one is is the eagle and and then taking that moment to think about other things that we had learned in in terms of our year of learning the seven teachings and doing a friendship round dance together etc so just taking those moments that come in in front of us or just taking the the snow in front of us and using a piece of music about footprints in the snow and making our own footprints in the snow to see what inspired that composer Etc. Like so many moments like that, I I have entire bind like an entire binder of pages that I wrote in blue what I was going to do that day, and then I would cross it out and write in red what en actually ended up happening. What actually happened? Because of because of it's beautifully snowing and you know that and and the kids want to play in it, so we would listen to music that connected to it and play in the snow or or whatever that was just because that's what they wanted to do and you could just see that that would be something interesting to, to work with. Well, that's the nature of the emergent curriculum is mm -hmm. you have a plan and your plan changes very quickly. And I guess any educator would probably say, well, the best laid plans do often change. But I think more mm -hmm. so with the emergent curriculum, I know that can make it challenging when you do have to check the boxes, so to speak, in terms of curriculum requirements. Mm -hmm. Did you find any friction between the opportunities that came about through the emergent curriculum and checking those boxes? Not entirely for myself. I mean, I know that um, mm -hmm. we weren't really, I mean, one thing that we weren't really doing very much last year was singing, but it did come up eventually um, where we would be singing um, here and there. So I, I guess there's certain things that seem like that seem easier in certain ways, but I sort of have memorized the music curriculum. And uh, I also have worked with the people who created it for Manitoba. And I know that the feeling of it, and I don't mean to say that I discounted most of it, that's not what occurred, but I, sure. I'm comfortable knowing that the ideas presented in it are somewhat of a suggestion and that one shouldn't feel super concerned with, I must do all of these items. And, and it's sort of, it's different than other provinces. It's, it's, I don't know if you've seen it, the arts curricula are on they're on a butterfly with four wings and there's this idea that that's amazing it is like that at, when i first saw it in 2007 it was still just in draft form and then it became the thing we were supposed to use in 2011 but it's on a butterfly with the center of it representing all of the ide ideas coming together and each wing is an area like one is playing and sort of like more the technical things the things and actually those are the things that one would think of when one thinks about learning music like I'm learning to read these rhythms I'm learning to I'm learning to play and like sort of the the, the things that we think of when someone is learning music but the other ones are creating and valuing musical experience which is more your own reflection on what you've done and then music in context which is what is the role of a performer or what is what are some music roles etc so the idea is that all of the wings don't, they must work together. Just when a butterfly flies, all of the wings work together. So I just thought it was such a lovely metaphor and they created a metaphor into a curriculum. So it's really beautiful and I love it. And I show it to students regularly because we'll talk about different parts of it. But um, yeah, and, and, and so for me, I like, I'm kind of doing all of the things. There's always 
some element of each wing being present in whatever I'm doing. Sure. I did actually have like a time where I worked on it quite a lot with Manitoba education um, while they were sort of trying to create implementation documents for it. So I feel super comfortable with working with it so that I'd be able to think while I was watching kids, you know, doing this or that thing. Like sometimes we were in the tents and they were playing with the sawdust on the ground or not sawdust, but like wood chips. (laughs) And it reminded me of people who are working and how they're singing while they're working. And I'd make that into, okay, here, I, I would show them on my phone because I couldn't do anything else outside work songs and listening to work songs of different cultures and saying like, okay, so what are you going to make, but try and make it in a more rhythmic way. And, and they were just super excited about building things together. And, and it was, <laughs> again, had nothing to do with what was going to be done that day, but they were just having so much fun. <laughs> So, and, and they, they brought that up and this is the key feature of doing things like that is like months later, I said, describe to me what you think of what you did last year. And there was children who brought that up. Like that was just a one-off situation. They brought up that day. That was something that they, that stood out to them. So that that's neat when they're already doing something and they're interested in it and you find some way to share why that is relevant and how they're actually on their own doing something that exists as a musical function. And now how do you feel about it? And it kind of like enriches that moment. And so, yeah, it, 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 it is neat because I did find several, several of the projects we did last year. There was times when I went away because I injured myself, (laughs) like I hurt my knee at one point and I came back weeks later and said, okay, the last time we were here, like for me, you know, it it was, they felt very, the last thing I had done for them, you know, like a month had passed because there was, you know, winter break in there, et cetera. And I came back and I went, okay, do you remember the thing you were working on? And they did, and they were working with groups. They needed five minutes to, to work it up again. And then they presented these amazing pieces that would demonstrate a, like a symphonic piece or something. And I'm just like, that is the key to me is these things mean something to them when they have, they know exactly what we are doing weeks before and can still pull it all together and demonstrate the point of why we're doing it again like i mean it's just wow i I just that was the thing that really got me about these experiences yeah that's so inspiring talking with green teachers is produced by green teacher a registered charity in canada that has been enhancing environmental education since 1986. by taking out a subscription you can join our global network of passionate environmental educators receive each issue of our quarterly magazine and gain exclusive access to our vast archive of webinars and magazine back issues. All proceeds go back into the organization to support our vision of helping each successive generation of young learners become more environmentally literate than the last. To learn more, visit greenteacher.com. One of the miracles of a frigid morning is how everything is so serene. The quiet of a cold winter's morning is a special kind of quiet. It's an emptiness that also seems to be brimming with life and possibility. When we talk about outdoor learning, a lot of educators, I think, recognize the opportunity available. And you've certainly (laughs) sold us on the amazing opportunities, (laughs) not just with music, but beyond that. Yet Mm. there is this hesitancy. Why is that? And we've talked about this in other episodes, and I'm sure you've talked about it with your colleagues, but... Why are so many people hesitant to go outside when that's where we belong? 
Oh yeah. I don't know if you've spoken with and um, you should um, because they they blow me away is Brooklyn school in Winnipeg. They go outside the whole school for six weeks or something. I'll have to note that. Oh yeah. Um, like, and there's, there's a little video about it. It's, it's amazing to watch for six weeks, like in May and June. Um, and I went to, to watch it and I just, my jaw was dropped the entire time I was there. This was, you know, a few years ago and they, the, the reading, like if someone had reading with a specialist or something, there was a tent for that. And each class went met on tarps, etc. And each class had their own wagon. So, I mean, having seen that, like I was building to this moment, which I didn't know the universe was going to force us all into. Um, <laughs> and I think that, you know, cause I'd, I'd already gone to see this and in, in other places and had already seen, you know, like I, one of the, you know, like I was talking about, like, um, how, how I'm going to be working with rain Hamilton. That's, yes. you know, coming up later, but, um, that was another thing where I'd gone to see this outdoor concert or a concert about being inspired by outside. And so I'd, I'd been building to it for a long time, the idea of learning outside. But I think the thing I, when I look at myself, even the thing that made me go outside was because I had to, like, I mean, no one was making me, I, really of COVID. To, I do have to stress that the principal asked what I thought of the idea of going outside. And because I'd looked it up and been researching it all that summer, because that was something yeah. I was wanting to do, whether I had a room available to me or not, it was something that I wanted to do because you know, one of the things that we're told so often is outdoor is very safe because the air is diluted. And, and so it was of interest to me to try and create experiences in the outdoors, which I already love anyway. It's just something that I've you know, I love going outside. I love skiing and cross-country skiing, Manitoba. But, uh, and so, yeah, <laughs> and, and and doing things like that. But the thing that, that this situation brought that was different than other times of thinking, oh, we should go outside is once this decision was made, once he said, what do you think about it? And I said, well, I've been talking about it all summer. I've been looking into it all summer. It was, okay, this is exciting. We're going to use your classroom now. And now, because I chose to, but now I had to. So there was supports provided. I was, you know, given a, a music player and, and it didn't take very long for me to figure out that I needed to have a microphone. Otherwise I was going to lose my voice in our giant field, et cetera. Mm. So there, there's that is getting supports for something that you, that people might not understand. Why do you need any of those things if you could just teach in your classroom, right? So that was actually something I thought about too, is why would someone get a speaker and get a microphone for someone that could just teach in there, we gave you this room, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's part of it is there's a lot of the, there's a lot of things you need for support. Like, I mean, I ended up getting a wagon and, and stuff like that. And all of these things are, you know, are provided because of this situation. But so that, that there, there probably would have been a lot of reason to think this isn't doable. Like I can't do this. I can't think of stuff to do. And there were certainly times where I thought, oh, it's so incredibly windy and we can't be outside, but then we just go inside that day and then when it wasn't windy, we would do something else. Or if it was a little chilly, we would find a different way to do something. But it was always a situation where do I seriously want to pull everyone back in their classrooms? Because what we would do is then I would teach them via an online system. We, we used Teams. Um, and so I wouldn't go into their classrooms because that was just the way we set it up. Yeah, so they, they would be supervised in their classrooms and I taught them via Teams. 
So did I really want to do that or did I want them to have an outdoor experience and we could find some way to do that? So if that required doing something where we're moving a lot to be warm, then that's what we would do. But it was definitely a situation where I don't have a backup plan, right? Like, I mean, I do, but it's, it's not as fun. Like they're sitting and watching me on a screen and it's, it's more, and they, they loved going outside. So it, it was always preferable. So that was what we picked. The only other time that ever happened in my career where I truly went outside for two weeks was also because our air conditioning stopped working. And like I said, the opposite for Manitoba oh, like is that was really hot. And yeah, it was in June. And so I went outside and, and, but I did have my classroom. So I was bringing instruments outside and we had music centers, et cetera, but that was very different than this because it was heavily relying on my instruments, which is great too. That's, you know, if you can pull a bunch of drums outside then play drums. Yeah. Um, But I didn't have that this, and then I didn't have that this time. And so it was, it was different. So I think that that might be it is, is, you have a system set up in your classroom, you have a way you can do things. And it's really just that feeling of doing something different when what you're doing is working, right? It, I guess in your classroom, I'm, I'm assuming, like I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure. I haven't really pulled anyone to ask this question, but I think it's because if you have something that's already working and you're not entirely sure, you know, I, I definitely have seen people go outside for, I, I know people will go outside for here and there for, for like an hour or something like that, but to consistently think, what would it be like to go outside for two weeks? That is a harder thought. And maybe it's difficult to see what the benefits would be, you know, and, or maybe they're feeling that feeling like you're talking about a feeling I have these things that I need to cover. And, you know, I'm not really sure how are we going to, you know, hold our papers down or, or whatever it is that they're doing and, and sort of trying to reimagine those things. It's, it's, it's sort of our nature, I think to, you know, one of the post-grad courses I took was about adult education and, that feeling that we all experience when we're learning something new, which actually I felt every, every time I took a new course was kind of a little sick, <laughs> this yeah. feeling of like, Oh, I, this, why, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't have taken this on. And what was I thinking? And, and like, how does one do that? And it's like this sort of disorientation when you first start learning something, it's actually a natural state. When we first start learning, then it's kind of a great thing actually for adults to experience the feelings that children have when they yeah, have to learn. So I do that a lot. Like I was, you know, just starting to learn a new program that I'm using with students and I have no idea how to use it, but I have now had so many experience of, I have no idea what I'm doing as I start something new with them that I'm comfortable knowing, I don't know where this project is going and I don't know, you know, how to use this thing, but I also know that I will find out as we're going. So like I was saying with that school, the entire school goes outside. They learn everything outside. They're doing perimeter of their schoolyard for math. And, um, and yeah, the whole school is out there. It's really, it's incredible to see. And I think the children love it, especially maybe the mud fight at the end. So, oh yeah. So maybe the lesson is institutionalize it, make it foundational Mm -hmm. to the learning at your school so that it isn't novel. Right. Yeah. Did you know that a subscription to Green Teacher includes access to our massive and fast-growing archive of 500-plus ready-to-use activities, lesson plans, and articles? The recording of each new webinar goes into the archive, too, and there are 120 of those and counting. To save you time, because educators never have enough of it, right? Everything is organized by topic and age group. Learn more by visiting greenteacher.com slash subscribe.
We also have special rates available for bulk orders from your school, board, district, faculty of ed, or organization. As always, all proceeds go back into the nonprofit. Jennifer can see every one of her breaths as she hauls her wagon of supplies out onto the field where she intends to hold her class. She has a loose plan, but it's bound to change. Nature will give her a sign. It always does. I'm going to quote you from your article in our <laughs> summer 2021 issue of Green Teacher Magazine. Uh, you wrote, mm -hmm. using movement and drama to demonstrate music concepts became important integrations for you. And as a drama major, I selfishly am interested in that quotation, but uh, can you <laughs> sort of unpack that for us and maybe walk us through an experience of demonstrating musical understanding of something like meter, rhythm, expression, form, using the drama component, using that movement piece? So... Like I have a very specific, especially if I really get into some drama ideas, is um, we had tents last year. Another thing that nice. you know, if, I, um, if I had, you know, not needed to go outside, no one was going to be getting me tents for sure. So we had these tents outside for if there was a day that was, you know, windier, um, if it was colder, tents helped nothing unless you have fire, which we did not have. Right. Um, so, so we just had, you know, if it was windy, it would be lovely in those tents. Um, it, it was, it was, it would still feel quite nice with, you know, your jacket on everything, as long as you're well-dressed for it. And in fact, there was some days last year where I pointed out to kids, you know, if you're dressed for it, I like to call this summer winter. It's so, feels so nice outside and the sun's on your face. I love it. And as long as you dress for it, it feels really nice outside and it's fun to dance and everything. And so maybe that's just me making that up for Winnipeg. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll throw my own Winnipeg jokes against myself. Um, and so I, the, with drama, we would do drama in the tents because they weren't, it wasn't a giant wedding tent. It was still very large, um, but there was actually two tents facing each other that had very wide openings. And so I would actually put one, like half of the class in one tent and the other half of the class in the other tent and make sort of like a semicircle, sort of, even though they were in two different tents. And we yeah, would a do polygon. If you're, if you're a drama person, then drama games, we would play drama games like that, you know, it's nice to start off a class with so that they get comfortable. So we would play things like um, zip zap boing and, and different like um, games that I had found from, what would they call it? The drama menu that I found on YouTube. It was cool. awesome, like, and really well-explained games. And I'd seen lots of them because my own, you know, children have been in musical theater and they play drama games in their classes to sort of inspire them to come out of their shell. Uh, so I started with some of those games that I'd already seen. But then I moved on to these games that I'd seen on the, on these videos. And so one of them was called Energy Ball. And with the oh, Energy I love that Ball, one. See, there you go. Like, that's why <laughs> so good. amazing examples of, yeah. <laughs> And so you start off, you know, with, with, with a sound or, or a shape or a movement, right? And, and, and you make like some small sound and you're like, yoink or something. And then bit by bit, it gets bigger, 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 bigger. So that by the end, like, as you know, it's, it's massive. So the last person's like Drawing! with this huge sound and yeah. this huge movement or whatever. And that particular day, you know, I was pointing out to them, like, as we're doing these games, these drama games actually 
really connect a lot to musical ideas. Sometimes it's just simply because when you're performing, you have to be on your toes. You have to be thinking in the moment all the time. Of course. Um, and and so you're you're performing on stage too. Like you're you're standing and singing, and you you can put your binder in front of your face, etc. But you are still standing on stage. You are still presenting an idea. Like if you're singing something like a song about summer, or you're singing a song about like whatever it is, you have to become that story. And so someone who's performing music is also using drama and it's not just with singing um there's this amazing video of of um a child nathan chen i think chan um who is um he's uh, a cellist and as a 10 or 11 12 year old child he's talking about about how he's playing the swan by uh, camille saint-saint and he's describing every moment of this piece and then you it's kind of juxtaposed between him talking about it and watching him while he plays it so that you can see he he's acting out this feeling into the piece he's playing. And so he's demonstrating how expressive you have to be almost because you have no words, right? So we take this energy ball game and we had just been, you know, it was, it was ridiculously windy out that day, actually. It was crazy. And the wind was swirling around us and I just all of a sudden in my mind went, okay, this song, which I don't, you know, whatever you think about it, or, you know, depending on their age, if they're younger, they think it's the best thing ever. And if they're older, they're not entirely sure. But um, I said, we're going to take, we're going to take, let it go from frozen. And we're actually going to act it out because it starts quiet. It starts calmer yeah, really and, builds. and builds and builds. And I said, so now what you just did with the energy ball, we're going to take that and we're going to slowly, slowly build our energy as we act it out. Like you're going to demonstrate it through movement, through your own personal energy, through your own emotions. You're going to get bigger and bigger and demonstrate what, what you're hearing. And I said, so I, maybe this is one of your favorite songs. Maybe it's not. In fact, take that, take the fact that it's not your favorite song and act it out even more, you know, be, be extra dramatic about it. And so we, it ended up being hilariously fun where by the time it got huge, we all ran out of the tents and normally I wouldn't want us to all go into the snow that's now going right into our eyes, <laughs> but it was, it was so fun. And we'd all, it was only for five minutes and, you know, I, they're all dressed really well and and so we're all swirling and, and running up. We actually have a hill in our in our schoolyard. So again, using the environment of the school, running up this hill, swirling and let it go, let it go. And just and just and they were just loving this moment where they, it just built to that point of of the sort of like climactic element of the of the song. And we ended up doing that with each class at the end of each class that day. And they just all thought it was so hilarious that we were all just booking it up this hill and swirling around with, with the weather sort of providing this backdrop that would actually probably cost a lot of money to set that up on a stage. So <laughs> for sure, we're just like, Look, here we have all the props. We're done. So it's perfect. So it was uh, just stuff like that, where um, a lot of, a lot of drama games demonstrate this ability to like think really quickly and, or work as a, as a group. Um, so if you're an ensemble on a stage, you, you have to be working as a group. And so many of those games sort of inspire that feeling. So, so that's, that's one of them. Um, and also just trying to bring out the feeling of a, of, of a piece of music. So um, there was one song and then I actually got this from the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, 
where students perform on stage actually with the symphony orchestra um like in with their adventures in music concert series and it's huge and something like 30,000 um children are involved in the education element with our symphony wow. and um each year and and so this was a piece that had been done a few years ago called um it's Haydn's clock symphony and so it okay. starts yeah. it actually has a, a da, 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 clock feeling and I don't necessarily know if I told them what it was called. I think I just said, we're going to listen to it up into a certain point. And this is actually even connected to the way they teach us to teach it because they create these amazing booklets to go with their the, the symphony that everyone gets to go see later in the year. And so they listen to it to a certain point and it's very calm and very rhythmic. And then you stop it and you go, so what, tell me what you can tell me about this song. And then all of a sudden it, the, the whole piece changes and it becomes chaotic and big sweeping lines, et cetera. And then I say, okay, now what do you think's happening? And so they, I would get them to work in small groups. Um, and then the piece goes back to the original music at the end. So that's an A, B, A form. Mm -hmm. So they're thinking of the form of the piece of music that they're listening to. Um, and I said, you can do anything. You can do squirrels that are passing nuts down to each other, which I really doubt squirrels do, but in your story, they do. <laughs> Maybe and, roll doll <laughs> books. <laughs> Yeah. And then, and then, and then maybe there's like a swirl of wind that happens in the middle and they're all all over the place. And, and then it comes back and they start organizing everything again at the end um, or whatever that story is. So, you know, I gave them, you know, sometimes would just spout out like 10 ideas in a row of, or maybe this is happening. And then what happens in the middle to break that apart? And then it goes back at the end and they all created these incredible little scenarios that they acted out for each other in the field. And what was nice is you know, in the world of distancing, et cetera, last year, we had this giant field. And so everyone could be quite distanced and, and, and watch each other's piece. So everyone would stop and turn and watch someone else's performance. And so it was just a lot of ability to be creative and um, use their own drama to demonstrate a piece of music, which they really like doing. Like, I mean, children, like I, my own children, I mean, they're older now, but I loved watching them at a very young age, constantly creating little scenarios all summer at our at our beach, and 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 creating together and, and using you know, their environment around them to create their little scenarios and using wood and rocks and stuff like that to create little scenarios. So I just know like kids love doing stuff like that. So if I were to give them like, here's the idea, go. Every every yeah. couple of classes, they loved going and creating things and then presenting. I mean, kids love also coming back to their parents and go. And saying, look at the play we made up. And you're like, okay, cool. And so now you get to watch a little play that they'd made up all day. And it's very similar to that. Like just knowing that this is something they like to do anyway in their own personal time, just giving them that little extra idea and, and saying, now go and make something. And then we're all going to get to see all everyone's ideas. So they really love coming up with little plays. And if it's to demonstrate a piece of music in a different way or some element of it, that was really fun to do. And we did that through dance as well. Like I you were saying, mentioned meter. We, mm -hmm. we moved to a piece of music by Jose Gonzalez, which is, I think it's in 7-4. And that's very unusual to have yeah, a piece that goes. Weird one. One, two, three. It was one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. And so, or no, it's one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two. One. And so I wanted them to like use movements. So there's, we have these things called action pack dance resource cards. So I put these dance pictures of like different movements like lunge or explode or whatever um, that they would be doing with their own body, but using them with this piece of music so that they could go like step, jump, explode. 
over and over again, but using that feeling of one, two, one, two, one, two, three, when they were doing it, and then joining it with other um, movements of, of, of a partners and extending it so that they've got this long demonstration of um, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, so they can actually experience that feeling. It's, it's all very connected also to a lot of training that I've had with, with ORF, which a lot of yes. um, music teachers use. And so movement is a huge element of, of learning music through the ORF approach to education. So it's something that I'm quite comfortable with using. Yeah, that's a wonderful approach. Mm. Hi there. You might recognize my voice from such podcasts as the one you're listening to right now. Speaking of podcasts, Green Teacher is involved in another one. It's called Earthy Chats, and you know what? How about I let my co-host, Jade Harvey Barrel, tell you the rest? Take it away, Jade. Thanks, Ian. Hello, all. Indeed, we'd love for you to join us for Earthy Chats our new podcast where we've come together to spend time picking the brains of the brightest and best in environmental education. Like busy bees, we'll be cross-pollinating ideas across our range of interests and knowledge bases to give you the inside scoop on what's new, who's doing it, and how you can do it too. All of the experts featured on the show have resources available Canada-wide in the Outdoor Learning Store. That's Canada's non-profit outdoor resource store. You can check out the range of educator and student resources available at www.outdoorlearningstore.ca. So whether you're a teacher, educator, parent, or just a general nature geek, there'll be something for you to sink your teeth into. Did I cover everything there, Ian? Definitely. Thanks, Jade. So yeah, Earthy Chats. Check it out on your favorite podcast app. It's a bit surprising that no birds have flown over yet. On most mornings, there is a raven or two patrolling for food. The odd chickadee is usually working the nearby spruces too. In the distance, Jennifer spots an approaching form. To finish off, you actually ended your article last summer by saying that you would spend this current school year, 21-22, commemorating what you've just been describing to us, which occurred during the 2020-21 school year. Mm. And you actually have an exciting update on that front. So I will give you the floor again to tell us where this has evolved and grown toward. Uh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so... I, I did talk to them at the beginning of the year and I actually didn't know what that was going to look like at, exactly at the time I'd been talking to a few composers just to say, you know, ask them their, you know, how they, uh, how they create music and, and to sort of develop into what I could do with students. But I've also done a lot of composing with them myself or myself in, in, in the last several years. But yeah, we talked about at the beginning of the year, I wanted them to just describe the experience with sort of an idea of when you look at a piece of art, I don't want us to look at it and say, I liked it, I didn't like it. Um, yeah. I want to look at it as, no, I want you to describe the situation. I want you to look at what comes to mind and what can you say? And so when they changed it to that, then we realized that they, they needed words to, to or descriptive words. And so we started with that. It's just, just like an idea to start with of their experience. And so those ideas, those ideas, ideas became, you know, started uh, the, the idea of doing something new, doing something different. Um, and, and quite often things came up like doing 
music, playing music, using our snowsuits and stuff like that. Um, and just all of these different experiences that they thought were so neat so that we could use it later on in the year. At the very beginning of the year, I didn't have any of my instruments back yet. So I was had my room. Yay. But I didn't back inside. <laughs> back. It was still, you know, like I, I had a bunch of buckets that I'd procured in May and June last year. So we were using those. But for a while, after a while, I was like, only play buckets for so long so <laughs> and so yeah it was it was uh and then all of a sudden i got all of my instruments back so that, that was what i was looking for is being able to go you know, pick different instruments and 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 decide you know how are you going to create the orchestration for your own piece and so that's what the idea was is this year's i really wanted them to take those ideas so we wrote them down at first because i wasn't able to do it at first um, and also was so nice out that I thought, okay, we well, now we can actually go outside in that way that we all want to, where it's really nice out. Let's go and, and do things mm -hmm. outside. And, and now it's like a great time to start thinking about pulling those ideas back and thinking about what they had said in the past and creating together. And so normally we have something I just mentioned ORF called ORF Day in our school division, where we take all of the grade four students and go to a space where we can go room to room and meet with different clinicians who teach different aspects of the ORF approach. Um, so they'd be doing dance in one room and they'd be doing playing recorder in another room, et cetera. But they're mixed together with schools from, you know, around the division. So we thought this is not the time quite yet to be mixing schools, et cetera. And so, yeah, <laughs> so we thought, um, and it's also like, you know, smaller spaces, et cetera. And, and we just thought like, how else can we do this? And so our music coordinator for our school division said, what if someone came to your school and someone suggested um, someone that they knew, Rain Hamilton, who is this, they're a local composer, songwriter. And this immediately made me so excited because years ago I'd gone to, we have an outdoor sort of marsh-like lake, a place with a lake, et cetera, in, in Winnipeg called Fort White Alive. And one year they held a concert that these people had stayed, like several songwriters had stayed in one of, in, in their cabins and wrote music together with the idea that they'd be inspired by the environment around them and create music together. And so that was one of the first times I'd seen Rain Hamilton and been quite inspired by the music that has a feeling of the, the environment around, uh, around that, you know, Manitoba, et cetera. So there's even a video that I shared on my blog of that. I was happy to find that years later <laughs> to, to be able to say, this is what I'm talking about. I, I remember this happening. And Rain is in the video describing the opening to one of the songs they created was the sound of the prairie wind um, or it had invoked the sound of the prairies and this was just this perfect connection to me to think here is someone who definitely writes with a love of 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 nature around them and you know i was just you know in preparation to working with with rain was listening to some more music and thinking oh wow this one's about you know stars and mountains and just like and also the beautiful lyrics to sort of be able to give words to what sometimes when you're in nature i mean doesn't really need words right like there's so many oh, when sublime you're like it's just just let it be and just experience it but somehow they've also found this way to be so beautifully expressive about putting a word to something that quite often can go without a word. And so very exciting to um, be able to share this with students. So that's one of the projects for sure that is coming up very soon. So I'm looking forward to taking the students 
outside and sort of listening to music of rain and and also going and doing some new outdoor experiences that I didn't even I mean imagine like trying to think you know there's a lot of times we're wondering what can we possibly do outside etc for music especially when you're you end up with no instruments etc that are traditional and I quite often explain this to people as um it was it was like like on a show like Iron Chef or something and someone says okay we need you to make a wedding cake out of this piece of bamboo and this onion go <laughs> and and that was sort of what it was like was I didn't have any traditional instruments so how am I going to do this what are we going to do and so this this experience of of going outside with the music version of bamboo and an onion and thinking what are we going to do um I still ran out of time to do all of the things that I wanted to do so so one of there's there's still some things to come that I'm excited to to go back to and then use even that like it's almost like a refresher of of these experiences outside so that by the time rain comes that will again be fresh in their mind of different ideas that that they could incorporate into music that they work on with rain so that's that's one thing that I've been doing, and also with uh, the the older students. Um, I mean, my school only goes up to grade five, but they've been creating music with Soundtrap, and they've been using Soundtrap for education for the idea of incorporating natural sounds, which actually they just have on their program. I'd gone out and recorded the sound of me walking in the snow, etc., and then I come back to Soundtrap and go, oh, look, they have five examples of walking in the snow already. Um, <laughs> if I would add anything, I would add the sound of the chickadee call and the chickadee song, because that's different. And yeah, there you go. That's a song, <laughs> just for anyone listening. Yeah, I've been sure hearing it recently. Oh, yeah. And and they sometimes I, I laugh because they go back and forth right now. It's like they're going, oh, yeah. is, it, is it spring? Yeah, is it? No, maybe not so much. <laughs> And uh, so it's really, it's, I, I love listening to that sound and that sound is not there, but that's very local. And so um, that if I, that's a neat element of Soundtrap is you can bring your own sounds into it if you want nice. to, but they do actually have like a section of, of just sounds. Um, so they have a lot of nature sounds that are already available. And so they're incorporating nature sounds with the music loops of the program to sort of create nature infused music pieces. So I've really been enjoying listening to the pieces they've created. They've been doing that for the last week or so, and we'll sort of build from there. I'm excited about them writing sort of reflections on that's something that's really need to do as a composer is to actually explain what does this mean to you and and how did you feel these sounds connected with what you learned last year etc to sort of instead of just letting that experience have happened and then this year moves in we go back inside you know like we don't want to just pretend that we didn't do all of that or you know we're still doing it we're still going outside and i actually have students regularly ask me like when are we going outside again and i'm like when oh, it's not minus 40. <laughs> <laughs> when it's not minus 40. fair enough <laughs> yeah everyone has so a limit <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. And so, um, you know, like they, it, so, so that's the thing is, is we will still continue to do that. But it was just so extreme last year with as, as the way that we experienced music the entire time, that it's nice to be able to take that and, and sort of reflect upon it and reflect on, on how it changed you, right? I'd like to think that a lot of the internet, like just through the things that they explain themselves is they could, they talk about how different it was and how it was really neat to do something new that they wouldn't otherwise have experienced. And, and I love that so much. 
That's a great note to end off on. And getting back to the point that we talked about earlier, that outdoor learning just has to be institutionalized as a foundational component to education. And you've outlined, not just in music, I think so much of this is transferable to other oh, yeah. subject areas. And hopefully we get to a stage where subject areas aren't really a thing, where, where there aren't these little yeah. walls or boxes. It's just... It's learning. It's the emergent curriculum. It's things that come up based on the inquiry, the curiosity of young people. Not Absolutely. to say that there isn't literacy in different areas that does need to be learned, but there's so much opportunity with this approach to learning and even more so when you take it outside. Oh, absolutely. It's just such a natural thing that piques their their curiosity. And that's a huge word for me is being curious about the mm -hmm. world around us. Students, children love to learn and finding those environments in which they, they, they just naturally take to it. And then bringing, as you say, with the emergent curriculum, different ideas where, I mean, I would bring that up often last year. I'd say like math is all around us. I think mean, you'd see when you look at a leaf or, or the way a tree grows, all of these things, there's every, like all of these elements, the science and social studies are, are everywhere. You can find ways to bring all of that to them through their own natural curiosity and absolutely through being outside. That's great. Well, thanks so much, Jennifer, for joining us today, sharing your insights, your stories, and we look forward to learning more as your journey unfolds. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for, for speaking with me today. It's a bald eagle, an adult too, with its gleaming white head and tail, both almost golden in the morning light. The first students haven't even arrived yet, and already it's time to change the lesson plan. Jennifer smiles. It's going to be a good day. Talking with Green Teachers is co-hosted by Ian Shanahan and me, Sofia Vargasnesi. Ian is the show's writer and editor. Logo design is by Devin Terian. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes to get instant access to each new episode. If you really like the show, give us a rating too. We can also be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us in this episode. We'll chat again soon. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing quite like it. I saw a tree get felled by a beaver once. It was a fairly small tree. It was a thin aspen tree, probably only 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And even right. that was impressive. I can only imagine a much yeah. more mature tree. Right. Yeah, absolutely.